name, Sarah Thompson. Uh, Sarah is a musician. She's signed with a production company recently and she's the lead singer in the mm, band The Capulets. It's completely wrong, babe. Did I get that wrong? <laughs> 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 what are you then? Fuck's sake. Um, no, that's right. So um, I'm a singer and I am the lead singer of Capulets. But I haven't signed with a production company. It's a publishing company. It's called Sony. It's a Sony. It's Sony. They publish my songs like a pub, like Penguin publishes the Mystery Men books. If that's if that's fact, I don't know. Are your songs similar to the Mystery Men books? <laughs> In most ways, yeah. Apart from made it sexy. How is the Capulets doing? Are you busy during this coronavirus? No, we're doing Sweet FA really because um, we're not allowed to sing in public or make music in public. So mm-hmm. we were thinking by this time we'd be like doing some nice gigs, singing some songs. Uh, but no, because of the Roni. So the Roni, oh God, you've given it a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it less scary. Yeah, I suppose. Um, so, so, but. The advantage, I imagine, being a musician is you can still work, go into the studio or work from home. Well, creating. months, you were working from home for months and now the studios are opening up again. But because it's, which is great, it's brilliant, it's great for studios and engineers and us and songwriters and artists, but um, you're only allowed to fit two or three people in a room because you have to be two metres away from each other at all. Right? When you're songwriting, you have to walk into, they want, A&R is what a song in a day Stop. Like what's quite an a quick thing. Stop. What's um, an A&R? <laughs> it's a, so if you're an artist signed to a label, you'll have an A&R. You also have publishers and um, songwriters have A&Rs as well. And it's, it stands for Artist Relations. And it's basically someone on a salary that um, puts you in rooms with people they think you would suit or pitches your songs to artists. Because you've worked with quite a few artists, your songs. haven't you? Quite a few famous yeah. ones. Yeah. Name drop. Name drop. That's the point <laughs> to fucking name drop. I was waiting for that. Oh. So I did um, Kaiser Chiefs album. Uh, not Kaiser Chiefs. That. And I Where did, are they um, nowadays? Are they still touring? Uh, well, obviously not. Yeah, they are still touring. They were probably a lot less famous now because I did their album. No, that was a great album. Um, and obviously it wasn't. I just helped out in a small yeah. way and it was very good. Um, and then I, Nadine Cole from Girls Aloud then did some of her stuff. And I recently Love got her. in contact with Steps Comeback album. Steps Wait, on the You've comeback. got a few bits in the Steps Cue com- me. Comeback. Yeah, so just one song. It's got my name on it. Actually, um, yeah, Steps. Little, little banger. Steps made me and Paul have an argument. As in five, six, seven, eight. No, he said to me, I was, already in, a, I was already in a bad mood. And he said to me, um, did something oh, happen with H in no, a dark room? No. He oh, said okay. to me, oh, Adam, um, by the way, um, why don't we get tickets to Steps? And I can't remember why I was in a bad mood, but that just set me off. I went, fucking tickets to fucking Steps. <laughs> Who the fuck do you think I am? I was raging. And you saw his poor wee face drop. I was like, oh, God, okay. But I apologise. Oh, bless you. I can just imagine you. I might be gay, Paul, but I'm not that gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I imagine you saying. Just to let people, <laughs> let listeners know, me and Sarah have known each other when we were both practically destitute. <laughs> Is that not fair to say? So we're allowed to say these things. 
oh, I think we made each other more destitute, to be honest. I think we were the final nail in each other's coffins. Yeah, but, I mean, you had expensive tastes, even though you were poor. <laughs> I look back with shame, yeah. <laughs> you look back with no, shame? I've still got that glorious hat you got me. I bet you don't. Well, <laughs> it's crammed in the back I mean, of the cupboard somewhere. No, it is. Uh, just no, make this clear to hat. people. No, I'm but, still waiting to go for a bloody wedding. You've been yeah, to my wedding. Story. What are you on about? No, I mean, I need to wear it to a wedding. Oh. And well. I haven't done that yet. Oh, well, uh, yeah, the story is, right, we were both that nice fucking one? poor. We were getting, like, our bursary from college at the time. We were living together. And Sarah used to always Susan walk past gone. the shop next to the Tesco in Kirkcaldy. And she used to go, oh, I love that hat. I love that hat. So I thought I'd surprise her one day. I'd probably upset her and, and was trying to do an apology. And I bought her this, at the time, <laughs> really fucking expensive for a piece of shit hat. Oh, my that God. That was the same size as a, like, a side plate at a restaurant. And uh, It's definitely not a practical hat. <laughs> and I bought it for her, and she was dead, she was dead happy. Love um, And then she did the thing where, what, do you think I couldn't have bought that for myself? <laughs> could have bought that myself um and uh, and I, I never actually saw her wear it once <laughs> i have worn it many a time do, do you look back you know where it is do you look back on college the college experience we had and does, does that help you write at all or do you just block that whole experience not really out? i look back on it and I, and I think to myself at least i've got some some small sort of control over my mental health now so i look yeah. back on it and think well you're definitely better that way but I do think, God, you know, you thought you were fat, but you were really skinny. And I miss that. I miss that part. But I think that's because we didn't really have any food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we bought hats instead, hats for me to don myself with. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm just getting flashbacks. I do look back at a lot of it with joy. I know, I keep getting flashbacks as well. Do you it's miss, because when you were at college, you weren't studying music. You were studying acting. No, we were, so we were, obviously you're an actor. I wanted to be an actor at the time. And then I think, to be honest, I do look back when I'm telling the story of how my whole music career started, I look back and I think, actually, it was because when I lived with you, I was like, we would go out and I would do open mic nights and stuff like that. And you would come and watch me. Um, and it was like a real, a real thing. And remember, you got me some gigs for the SNP. It was just oh, like, God, a, yeah. a, music was a thing that we did. Um, and I love that started off doing little private gigs for like SNP parties. It's so like sort of jazz age, isn't it? <laughs> I, I mean, you did live a kind of jazzy life. There was one yeah. point, and I still call you this, and I, I was I was m- making sure that I didn't call you it today. But um, there was one point where I walked into, she had moved somewhere else because we were sick of living together. Well, she was sick of me, <laughs> and she'd moved on to some ran- random vegan avocado farm or something. And oh, that um, was a strange place. And I came in once, and uh, she said to me, I've changed my name. And I went, oh, what's your name changed to? She went, D.D. Ray. And I was like, oh, okay. And that still sticks. My whole family still call her D.D. Ray to this day. It's a fabulous name, though. So, That's the thing. Why did you get rid of it? Well, I moved down south and then I, I got told, I got given some advice that DDB was a bit tongue-in-cheek and maybe that I, as a human, should be writing music as, as a human that people can relate to and not as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that seems fair, to be honest. I like that. I like that advice. Um, 
because Dee Dee Ray became once left college was doing little gigs around sort of the Scottish borders in Cumbria and Dee Dee Ray was this character who was constantly drunk because I was and uh, would sing modern rap songs but in a sort of 1920s way <laughs> I would just shout at oh, my yeah. audience and ask for more gin and it was a whole sort of act or people thought it was an act but it was just the be- my best me yeah. and then I am um, <clears throat> So I didn't want to be such a, it was like a sort of comedy thing. I was basically like a drag, a drag queen with a vagina. And it, it was like fun at the time. But then you come down here and people are like, we want to sign you to our fancy label thing and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't put myself forward as a walking joke <laughs> in that case. Oh, okay. You touched on, <laughs> you touched on mental health and I'm not going to, um, delve into like for instance your mental health or anything um but i, I was gonna ask um because mental health is such a, a big topic nowadays and everyone's talking yeah, about definitely. it rightly so i mean i remember when we were at college i don't think anyone talked about it really no um, unless you were the hippie who does yoga at the weekends no one talked about mm. me- their mental health um in your industry do you mm. find that people are 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 better at navigating those those things Definitely. I think as well now that we're older, I feel like everyone is better at navigating. I think in college, well, you're still sort of finding yourself and you don't want to show too much weakness, especially in an acting. We were in, an, in a very like, sort of show busy acting environment where we thought we were more show busy than we were because we're actually just destitute. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a sort of um, competition about, there was a, a, an inbuilt competition in our, our class and in our peer group. And I think the people who openly talked about mental health at the time were kind of looked down on and that was visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you wanted to maintain a sort of, um, I don't know, sort of um, not a weakness, you don't want to seem weak. There was a definite sort of um, first one to the watering hole kind of attitude. And I think as everyone gets older, it's a lot easier to talk about. Definitely in music, it's really easy to talk about because you go into a room and you might half the time you're meeting these people and it's the first time you've met them and people just dive into lots of things they're going through mental health issues and things like that because you've got to get you've got an hour basically to navigate someone's personality and what you can and can't say and they kind of will and will not say in a song um but you want to be as human as possible and you have to they have to trust you as well so i think probably part of i think both me and you do a thing where we're very much open books and it helps other people um we'll tell our embarrassing stories that we've done or or poke fun at ourselves and it helps other people feel relaxed we're not embarrassed about them and (laughs) but (laughs) it's great but um, that's a good way, I think, of opening up the doors and let people talk about stuff. Is showing me. But you're, but you're saying that's because of um, our age. So I think that's a big part of it. But so I do you think, think you know, younger people friends... are still struggling the way that people might yeah. have struggled when we were at college? Yeah, definitely. So you I don't think, think much there's... has changed there. No, I don't think so. I mean, I will work with 17, 18 year olds, 15 year olds mm. sometimes, and they've definitely got their heads a lot more screwed on than with talking about stuff but then they don't really understand we've got the hindsight to be like oh I know exactly what you're going through mm-hmm. um whereas they don't they don't they don't have that hindset so they're saying you know I feel like this I feel like I'm really subconscious I feel like I'm doing this but then they'll act they'll, they'll make actions which make that worse for themselves because they don't yet understand how to help themselves out yeah I think there's also <clears throat> online and stuff you see this massive um influx of people talking about anxiety all the time so sort of 
making jokes about it to make it easier to talk about but there's a big crave on anxiety which is a terrible it's not the right word but I think instead of people getting help for anxiety disorders now it's sort of it's almost a cool thing to have to poke fun at online so it's great that we're talking about it more but when you're getting t-shirts made that's like oh sorry it's just my anxiety disorder yeah see I was gonna say I remember like anyone who says to me oh sorry I've got OCD because they straighten all their pens on their desk mm. or something. That bugs me now because having met people, it, yeah. it was something that I used to do as well. I used to say, oh, well, I've never said I've got OCD because I'm a messy fucker. But um, I see people say that now. And, and now that I know people with severe OCD, mm. it's like, you don't have OCD. You're just, you're just tidy. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's getting an understanding of it, isn't it? I think I've definitely said, oh, that's that's really OCD I've said that to people before because I'm really messy and they'll be like trying to hoover up after me and I'll be like stop being OCD (laughs) now looking back I'm like that yeah it's just about I guess with all vocabulary you've got to learn what a word is before you use it or else you end up looking like a dickhead then on social media as well and I've got to be careful with what I'm saying before people start attacking me but I have never known you to be careful about what you're saying okay (laughs) but um (laughs) On social media, which I think a lot of this fashionable um, using like illnesses as a as, as a fashion mm. almost that uh, happened. It's so bad, Giovanni. Yeah, it happened a lot with the gay mm. community as well. Um, it happened where uh, it became everyone had to have a gay best friend, and and uh, it, yeah. you do not <clears throat> you're inferior if you if you don't have a gay friend and all that kind of thing and and gay mm-hmm. people were marketed in, in a way or oh, I felt that because I, I never felt like it was one idea of what a gay person was and it was what they'd seen on Teen Wolf and all these like mm-hmm. teenage Netflix programs it, they had to be camp they ha- had to be very fashionable and, and I'm like you knew me during that time I, I never really I could never really fit into those categories and and it left me, uh, I suppose, a little bit isolated. And, and I really think that was driven by the social media trend where I, as a gay person, didn't fit into that trend at that time. Did you feel isolated by the gay community or by everyone as a whole? I think not all not all gay people isolated me. Obviously, I had loads of gay friends. Um, but um, I, I think there were some gay people that, that thought, oh, you're just, you're straight acting or you're just trying not to let mm. out your gay side and it's like okay <laughs> uh, that's, that's that's not true but okay yeah. um but more often than not it was when people would come up to you and tell you uh, straight straight young girls would come up to you and tell you uh, their thoughts on you being gay and <laughs> giving you advice and I remember there was this crazy um fashionable phase where gay people were coming out to their parents but filming their parents and then down uploading it onto YouTube and stuff. And oh. then the parents were getting hate mail. And it was this whole fucking craze. It was actually, looking back, it was, it was actually quite a hard time. And I don't know how it's, how it's, it must be 10 times worse now with Instagram, TikTok, fucking, yeah. use Facebook anymore? I don't know why I don't. My mum does. The mums still do it. I, I think you. as soon as I pop one out, I'll probably immediately log into Facebook and tell the world. I think it's a mum thing. What, what are you on about? Well, you know how as soon as 
you become a dad, you might start telling really shit jokes. I reckon yeah. as soon as you become a mum, you log on to Facebook. Are you telling start me talking about Sandra. No, oh God, no. I've got two forms of baby stopper in me right now, which probably isn't helping on my lockdown mental health crusade. But I went, I went to get the copper coil in because oh I had too many hormones in me. I had the one in my arm. That's a hormonal one. And I was like, right, I've had enough of this because I'm, I'm raging all the time. Poor Harry, he's like, you're all right. And I'm like, fuck off and die. This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't actually say that to him in case Harry's mum was listening. Um, and so I was like, right, I'll go and get this copper one. So just word, I'm just get the, getting this out and about because I've worried a warning to all the women. Went and did that. They popped this past your cervix. I know you don't want to know about this. They what? They no, this, I do. So they pop the copper coil thing through past your cervix, which is like the wall where the penis stops. Yeah. Okay. It's got a little hole in it that you can bleed out of on your period. Okay. That stretches when you have a baby. But right. if you're not having a baby, it's like teeny tiny. Right. For people at home, I'm trying to do like a pinprick size thing with my nails. Your fake nails. Are they fake nails? If I fake nails. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, then they have to push this t-shaped copper coil through this tiny hole in your cervix to get into your uterus a little unbeknown to me i have a sassy cervix that's what it's known in the nhs has. <laughs> okay. and so they, they pop the push that one through i immediately passed out shat myself and vomited right no one's right. <laughs> you know what i said come on to so- the podcast we're gonna have some great stories to talk about <laughs> you shitting yourself and passing <laughs> passing this out. This happens I mean, to women. It happens and nobody talks okay, about it. Okay, they were right. like, you'll be in, you'll be out. It's a 20 minute procedure that you can pop off to your job. I was navying afterwards and I was like, all oh, right, easy. So the next thing I know, I wake up, there's five doctors, five female doctors around me going, don't go, don't go, stay with us, stay with us. And I was like, am I dying? <laughs> am I dying? Because I got this stupid copper T-shaped thing, you stuffed that thing past my cervix, and now I'm dying. Brilliant. God. Came round, vomit, poo everywhere. And she said, oh, this happens to me. I was like, is this, is this normal? Is this, is, is, this, was I, is this in the pamphlet and I missed it? She's like, it happens to a small percentage of women. They don't always shit themselves and vomit. Sometimes they'll just do one of those things. Sometimes they won't do any of it. I elected to do both. Um, and then poor Harry had to come and get me. He had to come and collect me. Oh, were you stinking? Absolutely stinking, I was. Oh, did they not wipe you and clean you? Oh, well, I, I got to, I managed to, like, got to, like, sort of slowly get myself to the toilet and wipe myself up. Oh, but, God. And I had a jumper on, which I took off. But the, they were trying to take the jumper off me, apparently, beforehand because I was like, I'm getting really hot. I'm getting really hot, and then I then I passed out in the See, bodily fluids. Guys, guys just do not know what women go through. It's fucking terrible. I didn't know I was going to go through that, and that's the problem. I, I found it patronising afterwards. I was like, "Why don't you tell us that this could happen?" Mm. You're just like, "Oh, you want a baby stopper? Just in and out twenty minutes, pain free. You'll be absolutely <laughs> fine. Don't tell them about the shit in themselves. Don't tell them." And then, <laughs> lo and behold. I, I was sleeping for the rest of the day. I had to ring this poor mum, dentist. I was looking after her kids. I had to ring and say, I'm really sorry. Um, I passed out and shot myself while they were trying to put the copper coil in. And I, I can't go anywhere. I can't I'm probably going to shit myself again. And I can't really walk properly. Can't look after your kids. Because I'll pass out again on the floor. And they'll have to ring an ambulance and I'll be covered in shit. And you don't want that, to be honest, for your kids. They're quite young. 
No. Um, I so, tell you something um, though. If men so had to go through just, that, if men had to go through that same issue, there would be no unwanted pregnancies. You're telling me, babe. <laughs> oh my God! Could you imagine? Men would just hang I know, gay. I know. They'd be now. I'm raging. So anyway, that's happened. But now, so then COVID happened. And I couldn't get to the doctors to get the other one out. So now I've got raging hormones and this copper coil thing, stuffed back my cervix. It's it's a lot. There's a lot going on inside of me. Do you think the planet's doing this I've also... specifically to you? Do you think the COVID, <laughs> the COVID has come around specifically to fuck with you? I'm just saying, there's a lot of there's a lot of backlash from COVID. It's not just COVID. <laughs> a lot of things going on. And I put on two stool. I've been sitting here eating the trifles. Wait, what? There's a lot. There's a lot what trifles? <laughs> Do you oh, get those trifles, tiny uh, trifles from Marks and Spencers or something? Do, no, I spit on the tiny wee trifles. You want a family trifle. It's COVID. If you're going to do it, do it right. And that's why I've put on two stone. I'm sitting watching Gilmore Girls, whatever I've been watching, and you know, eating family watching. trifles. I know I'm in a desperate way because I just watched the whole series in three days of a Netflix show called Emily in Paris. And it's about this American My mum was talking about that. She's been watching it as well. Oh, God. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolute trash, but I love it. Uh, it's about this Ameri- American girl who goes to take over a marketing company in France but can't speak the language. And, and she falls in love with every single French man just like, that walks past her. And I, and I can't believe I actually sat yesterday, watched the last episode and went, what am I doing with my fucking life? Honestly, what am I doing? I want to move to Paris. Can I just say, my mum this morning on FaceTime gave me exactly the same, almost word for word, synopsis of <laughs> Emily in Paris. <laughs> well, I just know it's something that you're going to love. I just know it. <laughs> you know what I've started watching? I started yesterday, I was crying my eyes out. Um, and I, I just can't believe I've never watched it. Call the midwife, obsessed with it. I've got a friend, this is weird. So good. I've got a friend who's a midwife in real life. And they asked her to come in and show them how to, I don't know, like midwife. And um, and, and, and she she was showing them and she was like, well, isn't this great? Um, Well, I get to see how it works behind the scenes, blah, blah, blah. Um, And her hands were on the screen while a baby was coming out of the woman's vajayjay. And uh, Mm. she got paid more money because her hands were on screen. I'm like, holy shit, she's getting more acting jobs than me. A region. <laughs> He's always flying back from Italy to do Call the Midwife. I've never seen the show. It's really good, honestly. You cry rise out on it. That's really interesting. I didn't know that if your hands were in a TV show or in a film, you got basically um, PPL. So if I sing on a track, I get performer's money as well as writing it. Well, or if I play I, the drums or whatever. I don't know Is if that's... Is that like PPL for film? I don't know if that's an actual official thing or if they just... <laughs> felt like paying her more money. I had to have no oh, idea, but like... there you go. Thanks um, for your hands. Have you noticed how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking. Twenty nine. Oh, actually, twenty six. Because I'm going to get a record deal. So my manager said I have to be twenty five until oh. March, and I'll be twenty six. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what's that work for me? I've noticed <laughs> that every time Quite I not. go on a night out now, a drinking night out, my face gets fat the next day. This must be an old age thing. Oh, yeah, really puffy. 
What is that? You know what I think it is? I think we just notice now. I bet it always happened, but now we notice it. Because I wash my face now in the morning and at night with like three different soap things. And (laughs) I look at my face more because I think I'm older. Because yeah. remember when we would just roll out of bed and walk into college, do whatever, and we'd be like, we're bohemian, deal with it. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, I better, you know, make sure there's no bogey on my face or whatever, or sleep yeah. in my eye, or... Have you noticed you know. wrinkles yet? Um, Not yet. I've no- Up here, up on my forehead, if I'm, like, surprised, I've got these, these ones, hence <laughs> now I've got a fringe. I'm, I'm really, I'm really struggling <laughs> with being Have you? 30. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I've been getting nose hairs. Like all the time now, and it's really making me paranoid. It's upsetting. Babe, yes. When we were living together, we were like nine, and you were worried about wrinkles then. I think it's, I mean, forgive me for saying this, but all the gay men I know are worried about wrinkles, and I think it's a gay thing. But also, my cheeks. I used to be able to, pre- I used to be able to press my skin and it would bounce back, and now it, now it lags for about a second. I'm just trying <laughs> oh, I bounce back, but I do have quite a chubby cheek, which is probably helpful in the bounce back. And and sorry, I'm I'm just I'm just giving you all my shit that I'm dealing with right, right now. But oh, please do. I've stopped weighing myself because I used to be like dead skinny, but now yeah. I can have one Twix, and my weight will jump like three, what is it, stone or pounds? It'll be pounds, I reckon. Right, three pounds in a day. How is that fucking possible? Yeah. I'm drinking you know, Diet Coke. Everyone older people would be like, oh, you're lucky now, you can eat what you want. And we'd be like, oh, just stop being yeah, stop just mourning about everything. Just have a bloody Twix. Yeah. And now I'm exactly the same, but it's all the family trifles over a four-month period of doing a sweet I'm, FA. I'm quite concerned about these family trifles, sweetie. Uh, I'm a lot busier now. I'm now doing something every day, which is a really good amount and about. Because lots of are you doing? Not as bad. What are you doing every day? Just, song, just writing and you know working. Um, so that's good. So I'm not so much on the family trifles. And the gym's open, so I'm back on the gym. Things that it just makes you feel a bit better. Thing. Mm-hmm. Just looking after yourself because you didn't like put any makeup on. You didn't wash yourself really every day. Uh, you didn't. <laughs> Who are you on about here? Who didn't I'm walk? talking about you. Talking <laughs> 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 about me during lockdown. Um, oh, during lockdown, just, right? Yeah. So it's quite nice to come out of it and be like, "Oh, look, I put some makeup on, and I've got some Barbie pick nails, and I go to the gym now, and I didn't eat a trifle today." <laughs> so you determine on whether your day is good by whether you ate a trifle or not. Yeah. I must have been busy. I must have been busy today because I didn't eat a trifle. Absolutely. Yesterday it got to about eight. I was watching Call the Midwife. I had a few tears. It was a sad one. And it was Shark Week with Paige and Edward Cullen, which is my favourite new scene. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, sorry. I'm Paige and Edward Cullen. Uh, (laughs) And I was like, right, no, that's enough. I'm going to go co-op and I'm going to get a Ben and Jerry's. And so I did that. But then I was like, you know what? That this was a not so good day on the diet plan. Today, <laughs> I haven't bought any family-sized portions of dessert products, and good. so pretty good day so far. Well, then, well done. There's ups and downs, um, but you know, still keep trying. Well, when do we expect to um, hear an album from the Capulets? Uh, I can't tell you that right now, but I do know that 23rd of October is the next single. And we've got some more on the go to come a few, maybe a month or so after that will be the next one. 
Um, and we're just keeping pouring them out, to be honest, bit by bit. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, we'll have an album's worth, you know, after a few of the, the next singles to come out. I think it's really nice to do single by single because you um, sort of look at each one like a single and it's mm-hmm. important and you work on it um, almost a lot harder than you would if you were like, oh, I really love this song. I'm just going to pop it on the album and leave it there. It doesn't have to be quite as well produced or... Yeah. Um, because it's just an album track whereas doing it this way you give each each song what it deserves I think mm-hmm. the time it deserves before you let it out into the world and hopefully um, Covid so permitting like hopefully Covid yeah, permitting we'll you'll be able gigs. to yeah. are, are you just going to do gigs in London and be those people uh, those hopefully people? we'll be able to get out and about when it's not well, so um, I just bought a panda bought a Fiat panda I was, um, was going to say, so no, you didn't. I'm planning. <laughs> you didn't buy a panda. I'm planning. <laughs> That's a lie, Sarah. <laughs> um, no, a feet panda. And I thought about doing like, I'll just get Toby and Flurry, who are the other members of the band, in the panda once we're all allowed in a car together. And we'll call it Capulets the Pandemonium Tour. <laughs> and we'll just, I'll just drive about the UK in the panda. Oh, that sounds do good. Do some gigs. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. I think we'll leave it there. Um, right, okay. It's been great chatting to you. Um, yeah, thanks for nice. doing this. Um, what, what do you think about me doing this fucking podcast? Do I sound professional? Yeah, I think you sound really good. Really? I think this is going to go down really well. I, I don't really know what the niche is. Is it just chatting? Just chatting about anything? It's just me chatting to people. Right. So I've got a lot of um, politicians lined up to come on. I'm just going to chat. I'm just going to chat to them and see what they're doing why they decided to join fucking politics are they crazy um i want to ask i want to ask some uh tories conservative politicians if they like the fact that they're akin to vampires um (laughs) i want to ask questions like that you know the questions the bbc never quite asks (laughs) (laughs) and i've got some actors uh, coming on as well well, the problem is everyone keeps fucking delaying because everyone's busy but me. So um, I'm really excited for you to come to London and then you can be busy with me. And we can just day drink and have a nice life. Yeah, that's the problem, Sarah. Um, <laughs> coming to London, it sounds like a romantic idea. We'll be sick of each other by the end of the week uh, and we'll both have hangovers. We'll, just, we'll see each other maybe once a fortnight or something would be perfect, yeah, I reckon. That would be safer, yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank lots you of love for to you having in the future me. and keep in touch.